We all know dental school is hard, but being a dentist in the real world is even harder. And what about all those things they don't teach you in dental school, like how to talk to patients and when to buy a practice? New Dentist Boost Camp is here to help you. Easily download and watch 12 hours of valuable CE, giving you tools you will want to implement immediately to help with your day-to-day in the office and lessons that will help you through your entire dental career. Learn from Dr. Paul Goodman and top dental professionals. Gain confidence in crown preps, class 2 composites, root canals, and implants. Increase patient acceptance. Effectively communicate to your patients and your dental team. This beneficial course is $9.95, but because Dental Nachos loves to see happy dentists succeeding, they are offering new dentist boost camp to dental students for $3.95. Visit DentalNachos.com slash NDBC for more information and to purchase your discounted download of New Dentist Boost Camp. Watch it and re-watch it anytime. This will be an impactful reference tool that you can continue to learn from and use. Buy it today to help you find a good job, start paying your student loans back faster, and feel great about dentisting. That's what it's all about. Welcome to the Dental Amigos Podcast with Dr. Paul Goodman and attorney Rob Montgomery, taking you behind the scenes of the dental business world, all the things you didn't learn in dental school but wish you had. Rob is not a dentist and Paul is not a lawyer, but since Rob is a lawyer, we need to tell you that this podcast is for informational purposes only and shouldn't be considered legal advice. Listening to this podcast does not and will not create an attorney-client relationship. As is always the case, you should formally consult with legal counsel before proceeding with any legal matter. Learn more about The Dental Amigos at www.thedentalamigos.com. And now, here are The Dental Amigos. Hello, everyone. I'm Rob Montgomery, and I'm joined, as always, by the head nacho himself, Dr. Paul Goodman. Great to be here, Rob. Paul, it's great to see you, and welcome, everyone, to another episode of The Dental Amigos. Today, we're joined by Linda Harvey, a nationally recognized healthcare risk management and compliance expert. Linda Harvey assists dentists and teams navigate regulatory requirements. She is the founder and president of two compliance-related companies, the Linda Harvey Group and the Institute for Dental Compliance and Risk Management. Uh, Linda's career in dentistry, Paul, began as a dental hygienist. Since that time, she worked in corporate risk management and has been recognized as a distinguished fellow in the American Society of Healthcare Risk Management. In addition, Linda was honored to consult with the ADA on three separate occasions regarding compliance issues. During her programs, Linda draws from real-world experience, having worked with offices that have undergone HIPAA, OSHA, and infection control audits. Linda's goal today is to challenge you to prepare for the unexpected when it comes to compliance and patient safety, which is a big theme for us, Paul, right? Yeah, for sure. Control what you can, right? And uh, don't leave uh, leave things to chance. So uh, we're going to chat with Linda about all that today. And now, without further ado, here's Linda Harvey. Welcome, Amiga, and thanks for being on the show today. Oh, thank you, Rob and Paul, for inviting me. I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. And we have some mutual clients, so it's nice to have uh, gotten the chance to know you a little bit uh, through uh, through what the world of what you do and how you do it. And I have a lot of respect for uh, for your experience and and uh, and your approach with these things. And I so. just thought of something. So Linda's been in. My, uh, we've been lucky enough to have Linda help us in our office uh, in person and also online. But just to prove to uh, Rob, Linda, and just thought of this. 
I did pick you up in, in, at your hotel and drive you all the way to my office, right? Uh, when yeah, you came to visit. twice. Yeah, so I do drive a car, Rob. <laughs> Hang on, wait, Linda. So Paul, Paul is actually behind the wheel of the car. <laughs> As we speak. I've never seen Paul drive. Yeah, yeah so. I've known I, Paul I, for, I do I, how long, Paul? It's 11 uh, yeah, years, some long time. I've seen pictures that he's posted of him driving a car. Uh, I've sat next to him in the backseat of an Uber a lot of times. That's a number of times. That's a common uh, occurrence. I've never seen him. I've never seen this car that he drives well, either. I, but. Do, I do special things for people, Linda. So that was great having you. That's a very yeah, special. Yeah, treat. So, yeah. You, know, you didn't realize it at the yeah. time in our office. And, I didn't um, realize that. No, I knew it was very special to get picked up by your client, and uh, <laughs> we just had a great time getting acquainted. Going. Back oh, that was fun. I, I really enjoyed that. So we start with our hard-hitting question of uh, Let's say if we're down with you, or I'm down with you, and we're going out. For nachos, uh, where would you want to go, and what's your favorite nacho topping? Oh, gosh. Where would I want to go? Uh, I'm open. I don't have any one set place that I love, uh, but my favorite nacho toppings are more in the world of veggies. I like trying things new and different, so veggies are cool. Um, not so much a super spicy person, but um, I'm just wherever the atmosphere is fun is, is great with me. Nice. That's nachos. I, I like that. It's good. The, the context of it, I like the location of the nachos being important. Yeah, yeah, right. That's cool. Hey, so Linda, you know, tell us, uh, you know, a little bit about, you know, what you do and and the uh, the companies that, that you uh, you founded. And obviously I read about them in the bio, but uh, I'd like to get into some of the nitty gritty with, uh, with what all this stuff is about and how, how you help dentists. Well, about 20 years ago, Rob, I began to look at ways I could expand beyond the four walls of the dental operatory. You know, at that time frame, there weren't all these different cool jobs and things going on, you know, that we have now for, for hygienists or even dentists or the rest of the team members. So a good nursing friend of mine said, why don't you consider risk management? And I looked at her and I said, risk what? I had no idea what those two words even meant together. I took a course that was offered here in the state of Florida because there was a particular requirement to work in healthcare risk management. And ever since that time, that's just been my passion, helping practices and providers to uh, have a safer environment that which just frees them up and enables them to provide better care. So I've worked in the areas of both medicine and dentist, dentistry. I've worked in corporate uh, healthcare risk management for about five years. And now I've also had a track record of working with dentists that have gotten in trouble with the licensing board to provide remedial courses. So I'd much rather work with great nachos like Paul here ahead of the game and kind of get, get compliance in order and safety up to speed um, so we don't have to give it a second thought and they can have peace of mind. Amen. That's, that's our, yeah. our world here, too, that you know, we'd much rather get somebody uh, set up right and avoid trouble than trying to, to fix the uh, the problem after the fact. And, and I feel like it was a little bit of the olden days, Linda, but it was only like uh, March of 2017 in the infancy of dental nachos. But, you know, not surprisingly, uh, Rob, Jamie Amos is the one who connected me with Linda back when nachos was only you know, a 2,000 member group. Right. Uh, and yeah. uh, it was just great because for dentists, a lot of times, you know, I do, Rob and I both do a lot with transitions, and uh, we arm wrestle over what's better, a startup or an acquisition, and we each win ever, occasionally. But, um, <laughs> you know, whether you do a startup or an acquisition, you have to put this into your office. And, um, you know, even me as a seasoned practice owner, we had done a variety of, you know, different OSHA, HIPAA things. It's just overwhelming sometimes for the practice owner to know where to get started, and you were just so helpful in streamlining a, that for us um, in our practice. 
But you know, Paul, that reminds me, some of the things, and I thank you, I appreciate that because it's a pleasure working with your team. Actually, I have a, a conversation with Nicole scheduled tomorrow morning to keep up with some things for this year. But one of the things I've noticed is that, unlike you, it, compliance is a checkbox for some offices. You know, they know they have to have annual training or they know they need, quote, a manual, and they're looking to check a box. And so it's whatever free training they can attend or whatever the latest CD-ROM they can buy, and there's not really any full meaning to it. And when that happens, it makes me think of the analogy between the culture of that practice, the culture of the philosophy of practice, if you will, and let's incorporate compliance into that whole philosophy of care and and make it um, full spectrum. So I appreciate the fact that you've adopted that, and uh, we work well together. Yeah, I'd like to here elaborate on that a little bit, uh, Linda. So, you know, when you're saying that it, it's really not a, a check the box thing, you know, tell our listeners why that is and why you think that uh, it's important from a, a cultural standpoint and, uh, and really a practice philosophy standpoint to really do these things right in a purposeful way. Sure, Rob. Well, when you think of annual training, anybody can sit down and read a full study or watch the same DVD year after year, and it's not really any meaning or any depth. So in other words, there's nobody who's qualified to answer questions when they come along or point out things that have changed even since that DVD was, uh, or the recorded training was recorded. You know, there's just things that happen so quickly in our world. And it's not so much that every law is changing every year. You know, there's, you know the OSHA laws haven't changed in a, in a big way in years. There's been a few updates in the past 10 years. And same with HIPAA since 2009 with the High Tech Act and 2012 with the Omnibus Rule. There hasn't been big changes, but how we're applying those in our practice is tremendously different almost month for month. A good friend of mine who's in the technology world says, you know, he wakes up every day at 8 o'clock and technology's changed. And it's, that happens to us in practice. And I'll give you an example. Just recently, I was talking to an office manager in upstate New York. She was referred to speak with me because the Department of Professional Regulations showed up at her door one day last week when she was out sick, uh, wanting to know about HIPAA, uh, HIPAA violation that a patient had filed against them. Well, as soon as she used the words professional regulation to me, I knew it wasn't the typical HIPAA police, you know, the Office of Civil Rights or the State Attorney General, but now we're talking about someone related to the Board of Dentistry and the doctor's license could be in jeopardy. As it turned out, in this situation, the mother wanted the bill for her child's care sent to the soon-to-be ex-father, or they were divorcing or whatnot, and the office staff thought they communicated appropriately about the address to be used and what the mother wanted. But come to find out, they didn't. the mother wasn't specific enough to say, don't put my address on that bill. So now when the child's father gets the bill, he now knows where the mother lives, and the office didn't know the fact that she had a restraining order against him. Mm, so right. this is how things change so quickly. Um, somebody trying to do the right thing, and it didn't work. Yeah, well, that's why, you know, this the, the hip in the OSHA space, is, as much as anything, it's like you know, we were joking earlier that, you know, people run afoul of this stuff, not because they set out to, like, violate HIPAA or OSHA, right? It's like they're well-intentioned. They're trying to help a patient. They're trying to solve a problem, they think, you know, in the way that's appropriate. And, you know, as a result of kind of taking that extra step and doing what they think is the right thing, they sometimes just step right into the trap. I mean, because to me, obviously, you know, I'm a lawyer. Uh, we don't deal with this stuff the same way that you do. I mean, we deal with discrete issues from time to time. But to have the full 
command of of these regs like you do that's not something that we do but you know i tell people when it comes to healthcare regulations generally you know like if if it seems like it's a good idea and it's the right thing to do then right. it's probably illegal or it's probably the wrong thing to do from a regulatory standpoint you know so none of this stuff is intuitive you know you don't think like oh what, what's the right thing to do you know that must be compliant with hipaa no it's probably the the opposite you know and and so it's really you know, so important i think for people to have the resources and have the training to understand you know what situations become sensitive and what they should do when those things arise and not just kind of wing it and try to figure it out uh, on their own exactly you know one word that i'm starting to substitute in my vocabulary and talking with existing and potential clients is the word training. We almost need to use the word staff education because uh, it provides more in-depth information. It kind of has a more robust meaning to it than just training. Yeah, so when we talk about training, I mean, I think I probably know what the answer to this question is going to be, but I ask anyway. I mean, it's not like you don't sit down and then start reading the uh, the OSHA regs or the, uh, or the HIPAA regs to everybody and say, okay, there's going to be a test, everybody, okay. on, you know, this such and such section as to what that says, and you're gonna to have to like repeat it after me. I mean, that's not what what training is to Linda Harvey, right? Exactly right. As a matter of fact, even when we're doing the remote webinars like we've done with Paul's office last year, is it's customized for that practice. We work with one practice at a time. Some have multiple locations, so they might have two locations on the on the phone with us, and we're watching a webinar with our slides that explains what needs to be done and gives examples, and then we dialogue a bit about what they are doing or has there been any updates or changes or we share some more story like the one I just shared about the New York office. All of it's anonymous. We don't breach any information. I don't know the patient's name. I, you know, I, only, I, I don't know. You know, we just share circumstances that have happened so we can learn from best practices and say, okay, this happened there. Let's make sure that we do things differently and be top of mind, create top of mind awareness so when situations come up, then staff are prepared to better handle it. I think, Linda, too, if you would share with our listeners, because I really enjoyed it. You know, I know I know you train, and we're taking advantage of, or we're utilizing both avenues, but I really enjoyed when you came on site for two days. Walk us through, like, you know, what I was thinking would be of value to our listeners. It would be, okay, I've sold a practice to, you know, Dr. Dr. Guacamole, and he's going to take over a practice that's, you know, been in business for 30 years. And let's just say in this scenario, they've had no OSHA or HIPAA training. You know, or someone starting up a brand new practice, you know, with team, walk us through what you would do for them on an OSHA and HIPAA uh, training program. Absolutely. So we do have a different approach to as to whether it's an established practice that's being um, purchased by a new dentist or what versus some uh, practice that's being built, say, from scratch, if you will. So when a practice is already existing and a doctor is acquiring that practice, the value of having an on-site mock inspection is just immense because we go in and we can look at all the areas of sterilization, see what products, what processes that are in place. And oftentimes, I mean, dentists are highly educated, you know, right, Paul? You, you know, you, you, knew, you learn these things in school, so you might be able to say, okay, that sterilizer looks old or this out, looks a little outdated here, but what should the process be? So you want someone to come in that can give you that information about what to look for and how to enhance what's there already. Because as soon as you buy a practice, you're probably not going to get it and put in a new sterilization center right off of the bat. And then we also take time to watch the practice while it's in full swing. 
So again, with patient privacy in mind, you know, we're not standing in an operatory while patient care is being seen, but I want to see what's going on in sterilization as the staff is kind of running in and out and processing instruments. Because we all know we can ask those key questions, um, and anybody's going to tell you the answer that they think you want to hear, right. and you want to see it, and you want to see it in practice. And then as you, you know, walk by an operatory, you glance over, and, you, and you're checking. You watch, you watch and see the doctor have his or her mask on, and the PPE, or is the dentist wearing their mask under their nose? You're looking for things along those lines. And then we sit down and we go through the policies and the procedures. We look at those manuals. Do they even have manuals? And we kind of compare a little bit with what's going on statewide. Because, you know, there's a growing number of states that have adopted the CDC guidelines as law. I don't have them all committed to memory. I have a big spreadsheet for a cheat sheet. But I can tell you it's Arizona, Colorado, Kentucky, South Carolina, Georgia, uh, Pennsylvania. So those are, when those are put into law, that caused the practice to even have a, a greater awareness of what's required for sterilization because now all the shoulds that your guidelines say now become must. Um, Rob, you may have a better legal term than that, but, but you know, it's kind of like the intent. Right. It's to have, you have to comply. And so then from a perspective, so stepping on the other side of the coin, if it's a brand new practice, we love working with those folks because, you know, with Paul and Rob working with Jamie Amos's team, we love coaching those new dentists. Uh, you know, sure, they may have had experience in another private practice, but now they're starting over. So it's like, they're just like a kid in a candy shop. Where do I start? What do I look at? What do I need to do? And we help help them all along the way with pieces of information, you know, how to work with their IT, where do we want that server, how do we want security built in to give them extra tips and along the way. Same thing with sterilization, dealing in at water lines, and they get off on that full compliance level so they're not playing catch-up a year or two down the road. Because what I find is that every doctor who's bought a practice or opening their own practice tells me, you know, I have this vision, I know what I want, and I want everything done right. I want it started off right from the beginning. And we want to help them fulfill that vision because you can't go back and fix anything. Once you know, once you start off on lower standards, it's hard to get them raised. I totally agree there. And I think that, you know, interestingly, as even just as you've been talking now and thinking, you know, I do this, you know, some buyer coaching and new owner coaching and help these uh, dentists. Rob and I have, you know, mutual people we help with taking over a practice that's existing. And, you know, the notion HIPAA, uh, meeting doesn't sound like you know the most fun but it's to me like stretching like you're supposed to do it makes you better uh start to model behavior as a as a group and interestingly you know if you have a meet group team meeting if you take over practice about patient service customer service or something that's kind of uh very subjective it can create a lot of negative energy amongst the team but i found that with you in the hypnosis training it, it, it builds an interesting camaraderie with your team. You're kind of going uh-huh. through this, you're kind of stuff, well, you, you, you make things fun, Linda, but you know, you're kind of going through this stuff together and it's very objective what you have to do. So there's not a lot of uh, arguing, you know, so I, I just think it's a great exercise for practitioners. So thanks for sharing that. Well, and you know what, we, I mean, I thought we, we like making it fun. You know, yeah, every year I sit down and go, okay, what can we do a little differently so we engage the team? And it's not just, you know, a boring kind of lecture when you think of staff education. But, you know, we learn by, by doing and engaging. So if we can create some, we've had, we've had teams doing 
all kinds of skits and, and everything. So next time I come, beware. We may have some. We'll do a nacho-related skit. Here. I'll eat nachos in the sterilization center. What not to do, you know? Um, <laughs> but, you I know, love it. There we go. <laughs> I think it's an important thing, too, though, Paul. You know, from a leadership standpoint, yeah. you know, it's the whole, what Lisa Mergens, you know, preaches a lot is, you know, that you're going to set the tone as totally. the leader of the office, you know? And, and if you tell everybody that, hey, you know, we take this stuff seriously, you know, and, and the details of HIPAA are important. OSHA is important. And I'm committed to that. It sends a message that, hey, we have to focus on that, you know. And, and it would seem to me that the, the people that, that slack off on that and, and treat it like it's a joke and, you know, quote, unquote, check the box uh, are probably not sending the right message to their staff. And then if something goes wrong, I mean, how do you tell the staff member that, hey, well, wait a second, even though contrary to what, you know, you've observed from me and right, I, yeah. I seem totally uninterested in, in this whole thing. Like this is really important, you know, yeah. because now it happened and none of us were prepared and something went wrong, you know? So I think it's crucial as the leader to really, uh, to really show that, Hey, you know, we're, we're going to do this and we're going to do it right so that everybody takes it seriously. I mean, I, I, I don't know, Linda, you don't have to say I'm the top one, but I don't know if there's, I mean, I don't know if Rob knows about this, but I'm uh, super into infection control, as you know. And when I post mm -hmm. pictures of mm -hmm. my systems, I always have, you know, the proper procedures and dentists, some of them, yeah. not surprisingly, yeah. mock me for doing that. I don't know why, but uh, they, because they're kind of, in, you know, they're feel like I don't do that, but I say, you know, I'd want to treat people how I want to be treated, which is why I'm always taking them out for nachos. They really enjoy it. But, um, uh, uh -huh. you know, uh, I always said to my assistants on the very first day they started, I just said one thing about setting up for any procedure, big one or small one. I just said, set up this room like the person that you like the most is going to be the patient. And then if you do that, that you're going to be in good shape. You know, if it's going to be your mother or your brother or even you. And, you know, that is not OSHA training, but it's just trying to set a tone mm -hmm. like you said rob where this is very serious and it's how we mm -hmm. you know our patient safety i was going to ask you linda uh i have two daughters now as you know so you're supposed to say yeah. like both daughters the same i know uh, i know but, i know she's the most recognized girls in the country we thanks yeah and uh so i but uh maybe you know you do ocean hippo which which one is your uh your favorite do you have a favorite do you love them both the same you know, it varies. It depends on what the practice needs. You know, some days I finish with the OSHA hip thing and I go, man, that was really good. I love OSHA. Or, or I went this past weekend, I went to a medical conference for an accreditation group called the um, AAAHC. And don't ask me what the 3A stand for because it's the Accreditation Association for Ambulatory Healthcare, I think. It's a kind of a counterpoint to the part or competitor, if you will, to the Joint Commission. And so there you get on fire because you hear the surveyors talk about that. And there's a growing dental group. There's a growing dental uh, of offices and dental professionals that are getting accredited by the AAAHC. And they've actually had um, the chairman of the board has been a dentist from North Carolina in the past. So, you know, being there with them and seeing what they're looking at quality and how they're looking at achieving higher and doing quality studies, that just like, it just kind of lights your fire. And then I get to talk to some folks about HIPAA. So, so I don't think I have a favorite. It's like among your daughters. You know, I have two daughters as well. It's hard to say who's your favorite. Um, I think it's based on what the practice needs and, and feeling good about, you know, bringing them up and helping them at their point of need. And I mean, thanks for playing along with my jokes. Just that, you know, when I even when I first started, HIPAA was not a big thing, and it's become a huge thing. So it's like this whole other thing. So, you know, the dentist, you know, you know, dentists, we're, we're, we're fairly stressed out owners and dentists as mm -hmm. it is. And it's just a whole nother aspect to, to think about, uh, you know, 
Rob doesn't have to worry about as much in his office because he only has one client come in me in person, <laughs> you know. But we have, uh, we have, you know, sometimes oh, you're, you're our only client. <laughs> yeah, right. This is uh, That's so uh, we have seven people here to serve yeah, you. Yeah, and yeah, only yeah. You. But in person, I'm saying, meaning like <laughs> okay, you, 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 you wouldn't have to be worried. Not all you're not usually worried someone's going to overhear right. about someone else. You know, we have 53 people sometimes come through the office in a day. So could you share with us a few? Uh, I don't know, take home Linda tips on HIPAA or where your, you know, most see challenges that offices are facing every day with HIPAA. Well, I think a lot of it's release of information. And just like with that office that, you know, didn't realize that they should have taken off the mother's address, it's release of information. And it's also in the area of the IT, making sure that the information system or their computer system is as tight as it needs to be. Um, because what I'm seeing is that offices aren't particularly budgeting for compliance. And I think that needs to go on the line item somewhere. Maybe I'm guessing one to two percent and talking to my other compliance peers of what we're thinking, at whether that's for remote services one year or strictly, you know, on site or vice versa, you know, something. Because the offices that are having trouble with their IT department and getting hacked or getting suspicious emails are not investing in having an IT company that's doing or providing managed services meaning they're watching the hen house 24-7. They know when the attacks are going on. They're mitigating it. They're keeping the firewall up to date. They've got a separate business class firewall, not an all-in-one deal from, uh, I'll say, Comcast or somebody else. Um, so that's an issue. And then um, with this release of information coming under the privacy rule, it's, they're not sure who they can talk to sometimes and who they can give information to, especially when um, there are situations where uh, Step parents are involved. So when you get into the worlds of pediatric dentists and orthodontists and even GPs like yourself, Paul, you know, that happens and you don't know there was a family change and now all of a sudden you, you're sharing information with somebody on the phone that sounds like it was the mother, but now it's the stepmother and she wasn't listed on the HIPAA form, for example. Those issues just have to be big red flags, you yeah. know, and that, that's, that's yeah. really part of training, right? I mean, to let people yeah. know that when you're dealing with any kind of family situation, like, you know, your antennas should be up because this is where where trouble lurks, right? And I, I share with my team, you know, just and this is more of just a Paul Goodman troubleshooting thing, you know, just to say, you know, let me check on that with the office manager or doctor or get back to you instead of just releasing something that you feel is right. And Rob made a good point that, it, you know, you're just sometimes a lot of times trying to help someone, but it's not the within in the code. And that, you know, that's why, Linda, and I mean, we're, this is um, – such valuable information for our listeners because, you know, I've been a dentist since 2005. And sometimes I say, you know, it used to be easier to run a practice uh, than it is now. And people say, oh, you don't know what it was like back in the olden days. It was hard. I said, no, no, no. From when I started, right? Like, like I'm not talking, I'm talking about from 28-year-old Paul. And I mean, it's just, this yeah, is yeah. the reality. And it's just, it's a, you made such a good point about it. It should be a line item in your P&L or budget because, it's important and you're going to need it. And I, I do see that with IT all the time. And dentists are not, you know, Rob talks about awareness. And when we do transitions, I say there's there's things that are going to be in your P&L that are not in the seller's P&L. And it's just they, uh -huh. they're about uh -huh. to leave dentistry and you're coming into it. And whatever they did for the past 40 years, they might have never had OSHA training, HIPAA training. They, might, You know, I sell practices that don't have uh, computers. You know, it's possible. Mm. So it's just awareness. Yeah, and I think, too, the, the fact that you budget it is, is really a, a, key, uh, a key point here, too, that, uh, you know, Linda, you know, just roughly, what is the magnitude of the cost of dealing with a breach or a problem 
versus what it costs to kind of plan for something and, and set things up right. Okay, I'll start with OSHA first on that one, Rob. When we do our mock inspection, we now when we create our report for our clients, we're now listing out which ones were the OSHA violations and putting a price tag on those. Um, about three years ago, Congress mandated different uh, federal agencies to start increasing their fines, and OSHA was one of them. The, the Office of Civil Rights was not included with that with HIPAA. And so they went from having old fees of fines being around $7,000 per violation per day to being now, two or three years later, over 13000 hmm. So we can put, so the average office has a minimum of three. So you're looking at $39,000, $40,000 in a federal fine if OSHA were to have come in versus investing in, you know, a couple thousand for, an, you know, for someone to come on site and do that inspection for you. Uh, it's, it's again, it's training. The education hasn't been done. The manuals aren't up to date. They're not. There's some. Usually, it's kind of in the sterilization area, but staff is often confused between what is CDC and infection control sterilization versus what's OSHA. So there can there is an overlap between those regulations. But strictly for when I do that report and give them the amount of fines that they would have would have had, it's strictly OSHA related. Right, and and, and, and the, co- the the cost of the violation just being so much more than the cost of prevention, uh-huh. right? And you know, and I know yeah, exactly so much more. And and, and Linda, let me ask I, you if, if I could just for a second. This is not something that's insurable either. Like you, you can't go out and get insurance, yeah. can you? For you can for a data breach, yeah. probably for HIPAA or you, certain you things, can. but not not for OSHA. Like you know, like hey, can I have yeah. insurance for viol- You know, if, for if I violate OSHA, like that's not, you know, that's coming out of the, the practice owner's pocket, right? Uh, you know, this is good because I th- I've always thought so, but I'm thinking that there's some practice malpractice co- companies that are carrying a special rider for um, regulatory fines, but I don't know that they would pay 39000 because look at any insurance policy, whether it's your car insurance, your homeowners, you have exclusions, you have deductions, and if you weren't in compliance to begin with, would they cover you? Um, I know you work a lot in the realm of employment law, and I've heard that some of the uh, other compliance companies talk about the fact that you know, to recommend their clients to get employment law practices, you know, insurance. And do they sign off that they're in compliance? And if they sign off, that means you have policies and procedures. You've done staff education on those policies. They signed off that they understand what the rules of the game are. Um, and so I don't know that, that a big OSHA violation or HIPAA violation would be totally covered. I really don't know. It's a, it's a gray area for me. Yeah, but, but you don't want to back, find out the hard yeah. way. And, and I'm, I'm going to guarantee you if there's some coverage, I'm willing to bet that that no, no circumstances would, would there be full coverage for this stuff. And the aggravation of it is yeah. is a cost that oh, is, you know, a whole yeah. other thing. Even if part of most of it was covered, Rob, the mental agony, agony of all this to know that you've got to go, you know, debate this. You've got to go take off time and go, you know, go meet with the ocean inspector to have a, you know, conference and pay and just they want their money now you can't find it i'm glad you said this because this is the job finding season and just to share another rob montgomery uh jam he comes up with a a lot of a lot of gems over the years and it really does is that you know dentists will a lot of times and people do this but especially dentists they're special in this category they'll say things like you know restrictive covenants are never enforced and you know like you're saying now osha won't care but you know do you want to find out what it takes to deal with that and it costs you like you said money time away from the office and i remember one time my dad and his partner dealt with something on the property and it was very minor something with like a, and i'm trying to remember from years ago but both of them had to take off one day they they didn't they weren't at fault for anything but 
even the smallest thing can cause you lost time working at the office, tremendous mm-hmm. annoyance. They're not going to do things on your schedule. Right. So you, you may yeah. as well, whether it's a restrictive covenant or OSHA, do, you know, do everything in your power to look like you're following the rules and guidelines, preparing yourself, educating yourself, training yourself. And uh, that's just why I think it's so, so important to, you know, your mock, your mock uh, inspection is something I think every dentist should do. Well, let me take it one step further too, before Linda comments on that. What that people also don't realize is once these regulators or inspectors come into the office for one thing, like they're now looking under the rock, you know, and that's never a good place to be. Like, you know, you have to do whatever you can do to keep this, you know, to keep away from this type of scrutiny, because once you're subject to this type of scrutiny, you're absolutely at the mercy of, of this agency or, or investigator. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So true, so true. And it's about doing the right thing. I think that's what it comes down to in the end. And, and you know, sometimes there's, you get into these shades of gray, um, and it's hard to know, well, that's why that office in New York got in trouble. They thought they were doing the right thing, but it really turns out there was a shade of gray. We didn't know that, or she didn't know that the mother had a restraining order. So how to try to stay out of those um, and being proactive with your questions and just being top of mind awareness. And so kind of circling back to the, other half of that with the HIPAA fines, you know, that's $50,000 or more per violation. Um, I know of an office here in Florida that a couple of years ago put 35 boxes of patient records in a dumpster. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I tell the story, and it's, embarrassingly, I will tell you that it was, it was a client. They were a client. And had we known that before we took them on, we would not have taken them on. So the prequel to that was, you know, we came in at the part of the story with our um, analysis and uh, intake information for HIPAA was that they paid to have all these boxes of records shredded professionally after they scanned them. But we didn't know that they paid to have them professionally shredded after they retrieved them from a dumpster. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) (laughs) So it's about doing the right thing. You know, that was kind of the cheap way about it. But you know what happened? I had to connect this doctor with an attorney that specialized in this type of law, had almost personal relationships with the Office of Civil Rights, so they know how to manage this kind of claim. And um, and he's lucky he didn't get fined. And I will tell you, we made him look too good on the back end, if I could say that, uh, without sounding egotistical. You know, we went in, we did the mock inspections, we did policies and procedures, we did the staff education, we did the security risk analysis. But guess what? Just this past fall, the Office of Civil Rights annual meeting, there was a clear theme. When a breach happens now, they're going to be looking at the level of compliance before the breach. If they had focused on that with that practice, he may have had a fine. He's lucky he didn't get fined for however many thousands of records there were in that dumpster at $50,000 each. And that's such a just a valuable point to for dentists and who are listening want to be owners is that, you know, do the regular thing, bring in people like Linda to help you because you're going to look better if you do have a scenario that happens and, it, and it's going to prevent you from having one. So it's a real win win, you know, so I mean, there's just there's there's a, you know, dentist love to talk about, you know, marketing, right, Rob, you know, whatever mm-hmm. they want to market, we got Facebook ad, I'll do a Facebook ad in my Facebook ad on top of my Facebook ad on Instagram, right? So it's like, <laughs> that they like, Linda, because it's fun. And but oh, this is, sexy. you know, you know the is not sexy. Either. Yeah, but it, but it's, it's just you're, you're a dental practice owner, you know, and, and this is what we do. And it's part of being it and it's becoming more complex. And it's just so valuable to do this with your team. And you know, I, I know, I'm, uh, same thing I said before is that I, I just think, in, and I think um, on one of the notes here, we have, you know, having someone on your team to be the lead, like we have in our office, is just uh-huh. so important. Uh-huh. 
to connect with you, Linda, because they connect with you frequently. You know, I mean, it's not just a one-time yeah, thing and do. you go away. They connect with you. Throughout the year. Yeah, throughout the year. And We're it's, there. you know, but Rob, Rob mentions this about why working with a dental-focused attorney is a, is a, is a lifelong relationship. Um, and it's the same with you. Mm-hmm. Rob, I'll tell you a, a story. I had a chance to work with a dentist here in Florida who was being disciplined by the Florida board, and I didn't know his backstory. I didn't realize he had had priors. But I came into the part of the store where he was about to lose his license, was about to be revoked because he did not chart one particular patient visit with a patient who had a root canal. And I guess there was something that went wrong where they got upset with each other and the patient left. And that was patient filed a complaint with the Board of Dentistry. And um, it just makes you think about, you know, okay, what little things can happen that can make a big difference. And so this, thinking about having the decision of, you know, you think it's a little decision which attorney to choose, but he chose somebody I think he knew that had represented him in other areas of his life. And when I was sitting there at that board meeting, it was quite clear to me that gentleman had no knowledge of what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so the client ended up, they didn't file, because I talked to another attorney here in Florida who works for a malpractice company, and we, I said, you know, we may be developing a new program based on this case. And he went and looked at the behind-the-scenes stuff at the state and said, well, they never filed, you know, some particular order or motion to have that stayed so he could at least have a chance to um, refute this revocation. And that was never done. Right. They yeah. lost his license. Yeah, it's a matter of just people not, not doing something that mm-hmm. they, they have familiarity with. Well, I mean, so certainly it's like mm-hmm. a dentist should appreciate that more than anybody. Yeah, you right. Know? Somebody, you know, comes in and, you know, if you're uh, – you know, uh, uh, a general dentist and somebody comes in and says, hey, you know, I need you to, to wire me up for, for braces. Like, you, you wouldn't do yeah, it, right. you know? You're like, oh, well, you need to see an orthodontist, you know? Like, I'm not going to just take a crack at this just right. because you walked in my door, you know? Like, exactly. you know, you go to see yeah. the specialist for the things that, that need to be done. But, you know, what I see too, Linda, and it's, and it's interesting, and to me what really resonates is the importance of the, you know, the custom uh, consulting, you know, and you've said a few times throughout the, the show so far that you need to see what the practice needs. And I, I just see so many people in a lot of different facets of, of, of the regulatory world, whether you're talking about OSHA or HIPAA, or a lot of times we see with employee handbooks where, you know, people think like, well, I've got the manual and therefore I've done everything that I need to do. And then, you know, it becomes apparent that they've never read the manual. Um, They don't know what's in the manual. Their employees haven't read the manual. They don't know what's in that either. And that, you know, it's really a dynamic thing. And if you're not doing it that way, you can really set yourself up for for problems. I mean, if there's a manual out there that says you're you're supposed to do something one way and then you do it a different way, you know, it's almost worse having the manual than not having it at all. Yeah. Oh, gosh, yes, exactly. And that's why I'm such a big proponent of having customized policies and procedures. It's, it's like your patient records. That's what's going to defend you if you have some kind of administrative complaint with the board or a regulatory investigation. What's your policy saying? Did you follow it? Right. And if you've never read it, it's not customized or the blanks aren't filled in. It's like having a bad patient record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or, yeah, absolutely. And I think... You know, a lot of times, you know, people just don't, uh, they don't realize that and that they're really just doing themselves more of a disservice. And, you know, and, and, and there are a lot of consultants uh, that are willing to kind of provide that template stuff. And, you know, obviously, again, this resonates for me because when people say, hey, just give me the template agreement. Like, ah, you know, that's the starting point for us. Do we have templates of everything we do? Pretty much. Yeah. 
And, you know, do we ever just plug in the names and that's done? Never, ever, you know, right. because that's a starting point for the discussion about what that particular client needs. You know, it's not one size fits all with, with any of this stuff. And, you know, if you go that route, uh, you know, be ready for, uh, for problems down the road. And, and these problems, you know, this is, we've said this a few times, but I have to say it again, it's so much more expensive to you know clean up a mess than it is to prevent it just overwhelmingly you know in my world and and in your world linda i, I say yeah yeah and you can cl- you might be able to clean up the mess whether it's infection control improvements or policies and procedures or staff education but reputationally that risk and that damage still goes on yeah yeah i mean it's hard to say that you're in the the, the healthcare uh, business and that, you know, you're doing things in a way that is not uh, not compliant with, with hygiene and, and sanitation. And it's just another theme that I have in this show. And uh, I dedicate a lot of time to helping dental students and I want to help schools as I can. It's just another thing that should be part of the focus on school, in, in school, that this is something that you should expect and is normal. One of the things I feel good about, Linda, is, you know, we have associates. And, you know, what, someone who was at our associate training uh, became a periodontist uh, because I told her that was a good idea, and she did, and it is a good idea. Uh, but, you know, she came to a Linda Harvey OSHA training, so when she has a, uh, a an office, she's going to think that's normal, and I feel good about creating yeah, that, yeah. role modeling that behavior. But not to, I'm not saying this to defend dentists in any way because they should be aware, but dentists go and practice by themselves after school in their own little ho- homes, and, and they are just not totally aware of doing these things. That's why I just think it's important that it's infused okay. at an early stage for them. Exactly. You, well, you get in the business of doing dentistry, and you've got your head, if I could use the analogy, you know, down and looking somebody's mouth all day long. So it's hard to have all that awareness around you um, all day long of what's going on. And that's why the big, the great team supports you. And sometimes I chuckle, Paul, when, when, you're, when you and all the other Dr. Nachos are talking about, you know, how stressful your day's been and all these decisions you make. I wanted to say, you know, you should be in the shoes of a risk manager for a day. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, so I totally get how you feel. And it's impossible when you um, to do it all. Yeah, well, this is one decision you shouldn't be making every day. You know, yeah. this is why you have to hire somebody to, to take care of it because DIYing this is just not uh, it's not an option. And I, and I would encourage this. I mean, I happen to have this passion for infection control and, and things like that. But even mm-hmm. even me, I've I've managed this by delegating to a resource because just I'm just sharing with the listeners this it is impossible for a dentist to be the person doing this job all the time. I mean. It requires, you know, your lead, I think a lead assistant is one of the best people because they, a lead assistant who's cross-trained because they know both worlds because it's like a quarterback is not going to go in and kick field goals. So it's like, it's just, it's just too difficult for a dentist to be the one actually managing it. They, they have to be leading it like we do, but you know, I, I, I'm lucky to have a, a lead assistant do that. Yeah, you do. You've got somebody who's really great. That's great. Uh, well, Linda, this has really been uh, been helpful for, for us, and I'm sure our listeners appreciate it too. So tell us, uh, how can uh, people uh, find you, and what resources do you have out there for folks? Well, thank you, Rob. They can find us on the web at lindaharvey.net, lindaharvey.net. And under our resources tab, there's a couple of free assessments for Ocean HIPAA. If you want to check your office and see how where you're at, what you need to do, you can fill those out anonymously if you like. And even though we'll get a copy of it, we won't contact you because there's no name or phone number. But if you want to take advantage of a 15, 20-minute free consult, fill in your name and email, and um, we'll be happy to chat with you about where you are with HIPAA, what's going on, or likewise with OSHA. So lindaharvey.net. 
Great. And then uh, how about email for you too, Linda? Risk team, R-I-S-K-T-E-A-M, risk team at lindaharvey.net. Okay, great. Well, thanks uh, so much for taking the time, Linda. This is really, uh, really good information for, uh, for our listeners, and we appreciate it. Thanks, Linda. Appreciate well, I it. I thoroughly enjoyed my time with both of you. Thank you, gentlemen. <laughs> it's been an engaging conversation. Thank you. Thanks, Linda. Paul, I thought that was really awesome. You yeah, know, see, right? uh, I, you know, maybe it surprised you when you thought, uh, I thought leases weren't going to be that exciting. Ocean HIPAA is uh, more exciting than people think. It was like an episode of LA uh, HIPAA Law on here. Paul, anything that's legally related has to be <laughs> yeah, exciting, right? right? Um, will, will it be like a, an LA Law version of the uh, of HIPAA compliance, you think, on, on Netflix? I mean, next, I can put uh, it on uh, Dental Nachos. We could do something like that. I mean, I think uh, it's one of the things I, I just happen to be personally passionate about those those topics, and uh, yeah. I'm a little unusual for a dentist to be that way. There is a lot to process as a solo practice owner or even a group practice owner, so that's why it's just critical to get the right people on your team, just like talk with the advisors. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, all kidding aside, it is. It's a very serious uh, subject, and you know, it's one of those things that yeah, you can scrimp on a lot of things, you know, and if you do, uh, you really kind of leave things to chance, and you're be ready for a surprise one day when you could have a very costly uh, investigation or or a fine to deal with you know and I really equate it to like you know like you can leave your, the back door of your house unlocked every day right. and, yes, yes. Know, maybe nobody will come yes. in but if they do there's going to be a problem and so you know there are certain places where you know you can try to save money and there are certain places where you really can't and this is just a cost of doing business and I thought too that to me, what really resonates with uh, with Linda's message is just the importance of getting something that's tailored to you and your practice and that you just can't expect that there's just a book or a manual yeah. that will just solve all problems. And then through osmosis, everybody will just just the fact that it's sitting in a, on a bookcase and, right. you know, behind the uh, the office manager's desk, like everybody's just going to absorb it and it'll be done. It just doesn't work that way. I, I agree with you. I mean, purposeful behavior. People say, you know, uh, make your bed each day gets, you know, it's a good exercise. Like doing this with your team is a good exercise and it has more than just protecting you from a fine or a problem. It has to do with strengthening your team on many levels, you know, getting to follow directions and, and a lot of good leadership. So, uh, you know, what Linda did with our group was our offices were awesome. And I just think, uh, you know, we're lucky, we're lucky to have a resource like that in the dental community, actually. Yeah. That's you know? cool. But it's leadership. Like yeah, you said, right. that, that, is, that is really key too, that, you know, it shows that these things are serious and we're going to do things and, and pay attention to the details because once you stop paying attention to details, like, you know, the whole thing starts yeah, to unravel. Totally. That's very true. Good. Fun time, man. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for listening to another great podcast with the Dental Amigos. And don't forget to tune in next time to have the dental business demystified. If you're looking for more information about today's podcast, you can find it on the dentalamigos.com. If you're looking for Paul, you can find Paul at drpaulgoodman.com. And if you're looking for Rob, you can find him at yourdentallawyer.com. This podcast has been sponsored by Orange Line Media Group, helping dentists and other professionals create content people love. Find out how we can help you take your business to the next level at www.orangelinemg.com. Till next time.